Hello, everybody. You are listening to the Chaos and Shadow podcast. My name is Kyle, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Pagan. How are you tonight, Pagan? I'm pretty good. How about you? I'm good. We're making our way through some crazy sinus pressure, uh, headachey weather, and we are mm-hmm. going to invite our amazing friend on the show who also has the same vibes that we do, Michelle Bellinger. Welcome back to the show. Michelle, how are you tonight? I'm doing pretty good. A little fuzzy headed. So if I get a word or a, a name wrong, just, you know, give me a couple of moments while the uh, sinus fog clears. That is exactly what I wore in chat. I said, you look out. <laughs> We're all we all have that vibe. I told them, feel free to ask us questions tonight. I, I mm-hmm. know we were talking a little off air and I was talking to them, too, to say, first of all, we want to get a lot of a lot of catch ups. But I, I should probably intro you at this point. It's one of those back and forth where it's like, hello, everyone knows Michelle at this stage on our show. We've had you by mm, at least four that I can remember. But, yeah, I was going to say, I think it's four. Uh, then there's those bonus episodes, Peg, and it just blows my my headache brain even further. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> eight or something that people can go listen to now. So Michelle, author of Dictionary of Demons, Michelle's been on Paranormal State, been at uh, Newkirk's Phenomenicon, uh, on Portals to Hell, on uh, Travel Channel. I It's Travel Channel, right, Michelle? I'm, I'm... It is Travel, Travel. Channel, but yeah. it's now, I think, more Discovery Plus, right? Yeah. I think they air it on both. And yeah, I, I can't even keep track. These things change so much. Travel <laughs> channel slash Discovery Plus. You, you're going to use Google, everyone, to figure out exactly where to find it. You're going to Google it and look up all of Michelle's works that way. Because I agree. It's too hard. And I'm a little bit of a slacker. I haven't made my way over to too much Discovery Plus content yet. So shame on me. But that's where you get to tell us tonight a bunch of your most recent projects. If you want to start us off, because last time you were here, you were working on some RP or uh, some uh, story driven content, some, some almost uh, you had a Ouija game in the works. And I want to say a vampire one, if memory serves any developments on that front. Oh, oh, so many fun developments. So uh, I've been working closely with artist Kat Mason Rogers and uh the, the little Ouija game came out as sort of like a test of like, how do these platforms work and which of them do I like the most? And there's a platform called itch.io uh, that is uh, pretty much a haven for indie gamers and game designers. And I love one thing, I love many things about them, but the thing that I love the most currently is they allow you to bundle games together for charity bundles. And that's where my vampire uh, little romance game comes into play. Midnight's Kiss uh, launched on uh, Valentine's Day. And then everything happened over in Ukraine. And I, and then everything also happened down in, uh, well, like all of the stuff that's happening with the don't, bleh, the don't say gay bill and the stuff in Texas and just like all the things that are being passed. Long story short, um, a... Another game designer on um, Itch.io called Rue reached out and put together a charity bundle. So Midnight's Kiss is currently in a tabletop gaming trans awareness, uh, trans uh, trans people uh, for Texas rights. Um, I'm trying to remember what it's called. Uh, but if you go up to Itch.io, it's been all over the place and it has raised... Oh, let me see. It was $320,000 last I checked for two charities in Texas. 
uh, supporting and protecting trans youth against the things that are being passed by and sort of like pushed through by uh, Abbott out there. And I mentioned Ukraine because uh, Kat and I also put a game together called Where Sunflowers Grow. And it's simultaneously a role-playing game and meditation and a spell about war and the cost of war, but also imagining a future without it. Uh, And you will see that coming out in a couple of bundles to benefit various charities in Ukraine. Um, But you can also get it over on my my itch page as well. So Midnight's Kiss is a a journaling game. Uh, One of the things that I really like about the directions that role-playing games have taken these days is writing a ritual and writing a spell and writing a game are very, very similar things in like engaging with the sort of like creative imaginative play. Like you can do it purely to amuse yourself or you can do it as a meditation. You can do it as a way of creating reality and like actively harnessing the play as a way of um, powering egregores. Uh, And I've always inhabited the space, the wibbly space in between gaming and magic. And there's so many people who are just like, yep, yep, this is a great space. And finding so many of them to connect with um, over on on Itch and in the the indie TTRPG community has been pretty pretty freaking cool. I absolutely... Yeah, I'm in love with this, Michelle. They're up to $367,000 right now. I had to go quickly find that and share that out with chat. That is for the um, the TTRPGs for Trans Rights in Texas bundle. I mm-hmm. didn't know those bundles were going on. That is an amazing amount of money raised. And I was also able to share out the Sunflowers game, which I, I'd love to hear even more about because Pagan and I have been super involved with that too. And in, in the terms of um, doing participating in some of the hexings and, and things have been going on. So I, I like this concept a lot. You mentioned the egregore aspect of it. So I'd, I'd really love to dive into that and how maybe people can you know use this further in their works. Well, where Sunflowers grow. So I, at this point, probably everyone who has any presence on the internet has seen that viral video of a little old lady, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the Ukrainian lady who is on a street corner and there is this kitted out soldier who's looking stern and, and just ornery. And she's like, you, you take these sunflower seeds, put them in your pocket, take these sunflower seeds. And he's like, no, 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 you take them. You put them in your pocket. So when you die on our lands, sunflowers at least will grow. I curse you. Sunflowers will grow grow when you die on our land. Like it's full on. Like she's not even pretending that she's not spelling, you know, casting a curse (laughs) against him. Um, And, you know, sunflowers are the national flower of Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And this idea of sunflower seeds as a kind of curse, but also a way to have new growth come out of this, this terrible thing that out of all of this, Ukraine can come back and flourish there's a potential for that like all of those elements of giving seeds to both combat this illegal war but also as a promise of regrowth in the future uh seeing it as something that is a a magical act that can be harnessed Uh, I, i sat and sort of let it percolate for a while and it came out in this game where you play, it's a role-playing game uh, for three to six players. Each of you play a 
one of the sunflower seeds that has been cast upon a war zone. And your roots dig into memories in the soil. And that's kind of the, the key role-playing part of it is as you connect to what the land has seen and you know, the people and the places and the animals that have been touched by what happened before you grew here, you share those memories with your fellow sunflowers. And you also release the pain. Um, you release the horror because now you are sunflowers and it is a field of sunflowers and it's just all this new growth. Uh, so it's an exercise in acknowledging the cost of war and the damage, not merely in human terms, but also th there are points where you reflect on the damage that's done to the land, you reflect on the damage that is done to animals that had you know, no choice in what was going on, they've lost their homes and their lives as well. There, there is, you know, triggery content with that and it comes with that warning. So if you're not up for that kind of a, a deep rumination, um, it's, it's not something that you should go digging into right now. But the overall tone is positive because finally you collectively do a meditation to imagine the world that doesn't have war anymore or that violence that heals instead and moves on into a different way of doing things. That is really, really powerful and really amazing. And I love that you brought up the the cursing old lady's curse because when we did our curse of Putin uh, for one of our mm -hmm. Wednesdays, we actually wrote her words or I wrote her words into the curse. So her curse will live on through many, many witches to come, which I, I find, I don't think when she did that, that she had the thought that her words would be so powerful and would span across the globe and have now become literally a curse and a blessing mm -hmm. at the same time. So rock on Grammy. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, no. I think she was just being real, like in the moment, yeah. like what, what she saw, what she believed. Um, and yeah. And I, with the game, I wanted to work a lot of those elements in. So yeah, there's an option to, there's a random element and ideally, you get a certain number of sunflower seeds and you just mark numbers on them and you pull them out of a bowl to determine which of the, the random things you get instead of rolling dice or whatever. I think that being active in this in a, a kind of a, a spiritual capacity, it's really opened me up a lot. I, I know my audience um, is pretty aware. I have a lot of friends over in Russia right now and they're terrified because many of them are you know strongly anti-war and it's it's really awful to see like um I, I almost want to use the term an enslaved population because many of them feel that way to see um you know i i mean we in america have been in sort of similar situations over the past 20 30 years now where we've been invading other countries and i'm just in a position where i happen to know a lot of folks there and that's that's especially hard and we've you know seen in the media talk of, of privilege and reporting and things and and there's a lot to be said there it's um i do think this is sort of one of those wars that's awakening the at least western consciousness to battle because Really, like like I was saying with nine eleven and the pursuing the the, the following wars afterwards, uh, we kept it as a very overseas thing. Don't worry about it, Americans. Everything's okay. And this is really pushing it back into people's uh, minds over here. I think, or I hope that we can see a good future come from this, where 
there is more freedom of of speech over there where people have more abilities and i'm i'm seeing those seeds of hope be planted and some of them grow but again very very strong opposition seeing as Putin's kind of that pioneer of uh, a lot of the anti-gay bills that uh, a lot of our people over here are mm-hmm. really eager for, which is the disgusting part. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, those those don't say gay bills. I'm like, that's what Putin introduced in 2012 or something of that such. So I'm having yeah. a hard time myself. It's it's hard to keep uh, the mm-hmm. spirits high, but I've been going back to magic and, and sort of uh, diving into that energy, tapping into that, trying to put it towards good uses so i'm i'm ha- I'm thrilled to hear that there's you've actually created something to help even channel that further because i'm so into that anti-war mindset right now well and for me when because i'm i am i'm a news hound i have been um i i'm, I'm also a very avid follower of, of politics i'm a pretty vociferous one too if you follow my uh, twitter <laughs> feed i i try not to like just create like be too too loud all the time but you know some of the earliest stuff that I did like fifth grade, I was going around getting people to sign a petition because that was when the Reagan Gorbachev thing was happening. And it was about like dearmament. Like, like this has been a big thing for me since I was little. Um, silly, silly p- political cartoons. Of, I was not a fan of Reagan, still not a fan of Reagan. Um, but I get, I get really fired up and I get really angry. Um, and there are, there are so many layers of, injustice and wrongness mm-hmm. to what's going on. I mean, not the least of which is a lot of the things that we're now seeing and being like, no, oh, they shouldn't be doing that. Well, they did that in Syria too. And we were just like, yeah. eh. like, yeah. like it, there's, there's, and there's other places where these sort of things are happening. And on some level, we've just been like, oh, well, that's over there. Totally. And, and on one hand, we've got the excuse that, okay, well, but this these folks have nukes and they might nuke us. So not, that's why we're paying attention. And I'm like, are you sure it's not because they're mostly white? <laughs> yep. Maybe. There's so much racism it's, involved. There's a little thing there. But but all the, the fury and the frustration, like, it will eat me alive if I don't find a way to channel it. And my... My, my two main ways of channeling that out are interwoven, uh, art, creation, and magic. Uh, they're, they're the same thing to me. To, to speak something, to make words, to make something creative is to put an intention into the world, is to shape what one wants to see uh, or to create an experience to help other people see it. Uh, and get different perspectives like that's at the heart of almost everything that I do uh, from a from a fictional or fantastical perspective. Uh, so when it comes to this and I'm just my brain is is catching up to just all these different ideas. The game has, has <laughs> right? opened up so many doors because you know, back to the idea of that making an egregore and what you're just saying there uh, laying some path for people to follow giving people a hopeful future in its own is something of a rarity these days when our um well let me throw in a star trek example because i know we have a lot of star trek fans out there too i'm going back through and i'm watching things like um star trek discovery and i can't help but feel even the most modern iterations of star trek have definitely picked up a more militaristic theme it uh, Mm. what i used to watch for philosophy and conversations about ethics they've 
in my opinion. Sorry if this is offending any fans out there, but I feel like they've really truncated that down to like 1% of the show and put that over like an action background a lot of the time, which makes me think, sure, that's what they're selling. That's, you know, we all want the, they, the media in general, the, the companies, producers want things that are going to sell. So put more lasers, put more you know, suspense in there. But it makes less space. It reduces the amount of room we have um, as like sort of progressive types, people that are thinking beyond war, people that are hoping for a future where we're not just repeating the same cycle. I think that our space is becoming further and further marginalized in that way. So I really am happy to see magic being available to folks, but I think even there, it's something of a, a space that people are finding hard to approach. Not only is there some aspects like we were just saying of, of, um, like racism in in how it was reported this this war is in general but also some maybe cultural touchstones people afraid to be doing certain works over you know different ethnic groups or a background they don't know much about also people were uh kind of worried that we were going to be hexing putin they were worried that it was going to come back to bite us in a, a negative way so it kind mm-hmm. of collectively i don't know what to make of that question michelle other than i'm kind of curious if you have advice for people that are trying to step into this space, whether they're projecting something anti-war or trying to help out with this effort uh, energetically or otherwise. Oh, well, I will say as someone who does not shy away from what I think we can collectively call baneful magic, mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, hexing, cursing, things like binding isn't, isn't off the table but is something to be aware of how you approach it and how you do it. What we go into any working with magically is what we're carrying inside of ourselves, whether it's conscious or unconscious, will color the end result. So if we ourselves are conflicted or if we feel guilty uh, or allow ourselves to question whether or not is this right is this going to bounce back on us like like what's like you need a purity of intention. Um, and if you are going to do some sort of baneful magic like hexing Putin, you need to be okay with that. Because if you're not, if you feel conflicted, if you feel somehow guilty or troubled, uh, or if you're really afraid that something's going to go wrong and it'll hurt you, well, that's magic too. Like those intentions go in there. So you need to approach it carefully. If for no other reason than that, the other thing I learned, because I've, I've run a, a magical society since, well, formerly since 96 and since before that. And one of the things that we learned in our experiments in doing like group magic and group workings is there's a, there's a point of diminishing returns for focus when like, like the larger and the larger a group is, the more symbolic and focused and almost, uh, Like you need so much more theater to get everybody actually focused on the same thing in the same way to otherwise folks end up working against one another. Uh, we, We would experiment with, you know, a single person doing a working, two people doing the working, three people, or like, you know, the whole group of us that would gather to do seasonal rituals. And really, like, past that number of, like, two or three, there's this point where it starts to get, like, weirdly, wibbly, and unbalanced. Um, and when we went into that, like, back in, like, 2000 or so, we were like, well, but but why is this not working? Because we were doing something 
um, with the the war <laughs> the war back then uh, after 9 11. Uh, and so like 2002, 2003. And it occurred to me at that point to ask each person around the circle what they had been trying to do. Not, not what we were collectively, you know, thought we were doing, but how were they trying to accomplish it? And as each person described what they were thinking about, how they were imagining this, like everybody we found we were working at cross purposes to one another. Like this one person is trying to like, you know, harness wind to sweep things out. And somebody else was, was trying to like, you know, put energy into a person to explode them. Like it was, everybody was taking a very different path, even though we had agreed that what we were going to try to do was to bind the, the forces at the other end of this war that seemed to be the most aggressive ones. So that second cautionary bit that I would offer folks is individual workings. Now, you can have kind of collectivism with that. But if you are all trying to, uh, I don't know, stand as like one individual, like, like you can't be one mind when you're doing that. You can all pick up a piece of the load. But the more people who are all trying to like, I don't know, power, power a psychic laser, uh, the more working parts, the harder it's going to be. The more energy it will take, the more focus it will take. Uh, rather, in my opinion and in my experience, what's more effective is each person using their own laser, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That does make that sense. Makes, Go ahead, Pagan. Yeah, that does make perfect sense. And I like the kind of thing that you said that it requires more theater, um, kind of bringing back a little bit to you know our talk with uh, Mara Starling who wrote uh, Welsh Witchcraft, she talked about the fact that she likes to bring a lot of theater into her magic, not only because of her personality, but also because of the fact that it sometimes works better. And so I really like what you're saying of also having everybody do their own thing, because even if it's a tiny laser, but if you have a thousand tiny lasers all pointed at the same target, it's going to do the same damage as one large laser. Yeah, so and, and some of really it's awesome. just like like shifting the way we think about it. And theater in, in magic and ritual is indispensable. Uh, this is sort of a double-edged sword because a lot of folks who are newer to things will see, I've got my wand, I've got my tarot cards, I've got my sigils, and there's an easy mistake to make, which is that the objects are the source of the power, when in truth, all of them are focal points. They are the lenses that allow you to take your own power and refract it or, or focus it. Uh, and the power ultimately is you. And also, we don't always have the laser focus that is necessary. So the tools are what help us with that. The tools give us boundaries. The tools give us uh, a way of kind of digging a channel through the forces of the universe to like, you know, push, like, like to intensify our intent. One of those tools is the theater of ritual, the symbols that we use, the language, the actions that we collectively use, things that help us stay engaged, uh, things that help our rational brain, like, help us get that out of our way. And so we inhabit instead a more focused and creative place where we're not worrying about, you know, is this possible and should I be doing this? We're just in that moment playing 
mm-hmm. in, in a kind of divine play, allowing it to be a thing that just moves us and moves through us, uh, a song, a poem, uh, choreography of the universe. I'm loving that in chat, we got people saying uh, that they're super excited for this information because they want to take this and apply some of it to uh, like the say on Saturdays that we do. And Michelle, you've been a part of that. Um, the most recent one was where we we all got really active together. And I, I did an Estes Method session. So I was listening to a spirit box. Uh, you and Illyria were there. We had Pagan. It was a wonderful time. And that was right around Halloween. My brain is, I can feel the gears turning as we're talking about uh, the laser concept and, and focusing it at different levels. Pagan, I'm, be- I'm betting you're thinking similar things. Mm-hmm. Like, how can yes. we take this? And um, maybe even this Saturday, Michelle, we could uh, mm-hmm. try an exercise in this, actually. I, not putting you on the spot to come up with one now, mm-hmm. but this is really exciting. Like, if you have ideas, what what might we try? Because we do... Mm, I want to say we give people a bit to focus on, maybe less uh, than we used to. But yeah, mm-hmm. I want to flex it and try different ways. Anything coming to your mind for this? When I design rituals um, and also games for groups, I mean, the, the first thing is, is like, what what language do we have in common? What symbols resonate with the, the largest number of the group? I mean, with the understanding that you're not going to be able to appeal to absolutely everybody. Uh, but like what, what grabs most everyone? Uh, and I don't know if I, if I were trying to immerse us also in the set dressing of, of a seance, you know, I would encourage everyone. They're, they're probably already doing a lot of this, like have the lighting low. And if there's music, uh, that we could all be listening to something that we could agree to have in the background or in our earphones, uh, something that like kind of captures the pageantry or the spirit of what we're trying to to focus on. That can help. Um, a weird one, um, and really not that weird for folks who understand the power of cosplay. Dressing the part. Uh, engaging with like a ritual masking or makeup, uh, something where like you, you put some of the sigil on yourself, uh, mark your face where you're able to see yourself and see that you are no longer in the same persona that you are in your everyday, uh, that you have marked this change and that sort of way of playing a new role, uh, stepping into the shoes of your ideal spirit communicator is uh, another way of harnessing that role play as magic that is that really kind of brings up a a question i had for you was how to i i really like the fact that as you're talking the only thing that's really coming to mind is taking aspects of like a tabletop game and putting it into ritual and I know that you do that with some of the games that you write, especially the the Sunflower one that you wrote, where you turned it into kind of a spell, a, you know, tabletop game and a meditation at the same time. But, you know, thinking in terms of our seances, it might be very interesting to kind of, I guess, almost give, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as well, but mm. almost give everybody kind of their own role or, or their own kind of character to play almost, as you were saying before, um, with the, you know, putting on the essentially ritual garb um, or their costume or any of that, 
but, you know, kind of giving everyone the, you know, the audience could have this or select individuals in the audience could say, I would like to step into this almost similar to like your connection rituals that you do where, Mm -hmm. you know, you connect to the three tiers. uh, um, The names escape me because brains don't want to work tonight, but uh, (laughs) that that's kind of where my brain's going with it. What do you think? I I, I could totally be like, just talking out my butt at this point. Wait to see if Kyle has something to say. Oh, I sorry. Yes, I well, I do actually because I'm curious if that's the intention behind um, the way House Keperu was formed, specifically what Pagan's asking to the idea. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm thinking it's priests, counselors, and I want to say warriors if memory's there tonight. Yes, but mm-hmm. I'm curious if that was part of you know the foundation of Keperu is because those are three distinct archetypes. Um, that when people start to assume those roles and when Kepru opens, people get a chance to explore them. And you've, you've encouraged people try different roles each time um, as energy workers connecting and, and growing that astral space. So I'm just curious if that also goes into the, the creation you've made so far. I think it's impossible to, to excise the influence of, of role play because the the core group of us who were like the early founders of House Kepru, theater and live action role playing were the places where we experimented with a lot of magic and a lot of energy work and ways of like projecting um, impressions and interacting with crowds and even probability work to like, you know, you've got a, a specific little plot line or you've got a secret that you want to get out and you don't tell anyone. You simply sit there and try to, with intent, focus on ha- like, like certain people suddenly getting this, this idea. Like we did a lot of really... I don't know, just super, well, first of all, really fun. Um, a little gonzo uh, experiments with this sort of, you know, a live action game or a, a role playing game is uh, you create a mini reality. It's a shared reality. Everybody who's participating in it has agreed to be part of this reality and be influenced by it emotionally, psychologically. Everybody is collaborating and co telling this story. And the GM or the DM, who is sort of like the master of ceremonies, offers uh, a certain structure inside which everyone can then play. Now, if you take that and apply it in a magical sense, not merely the psychodrama of sharing characters and playing these roles and having emotional moments, but also having magical moments, also using those characters to connect energetically, to not change the reality outside of the shared make-believe reality, but using that shared make-believe reality as a kind of um, trial place. Uh, oh, your your test your testing grounds. Um, it's got its own little boundaries. Uh, it when you step into these roles, uh, you can engage within that, but you step back out of it, and now you're back in your regular life, and you you can leave any of the effects behind having learned nevertheless how they work within this microcosm that is the the shaped game Uh, we i honestly don't know anyone that i consider a good game master gm who hasn't engaged in some level of magic with what they're doing or at least recognize that there is an extraordinary aspect of synchronicity 
uh, that matches up with what they're doing. Um, you can see it on some of the really good streamed games where people are like, oh, that must be a script because how could these things just sort of like, like how did this come together and how did these characters like 500, you know, like, like what, 112 episodes down the line, like we understand that this is now an important thing. They must have planned it. How do these dice rolls work this way? But if you're in those moments, you recognize that this microcosm emerges around you, whether you intend it or not. Mm-hmm. And collective will has an effect on it. And one of the most powerful bits of magic any of us have like within us is the ability to tell a story. You tell a story and part of telling that story is bringing, if not the exact events of the story into reality, you're bringing the intent of it into reality. You're feeding into uh, the, the archetypes and, and everything. So Although, like the core of House Kepru, the, the priest, counselor, warrior, we believe is tied to uh, a, a past life thing and a sort of soul cohort thing. Uh, we also stretched a lot of our abilities with games and storytelling and theater and really paid attention to the magic inherent in those things and how it can be harnessed and how a lot of people don't even realize that they're doing what we would call magic because they're just, they're just theater people. They're just making things work. Just (laughs) coincidentally, like the person who missed their cue just finds a way to like have it all. Like if you've, if you've ever been in theater, if you've ever actually been on a stage, like there's Mm -hmm. a feel to it, it becomes a living thing. And with each audience, there is a dynamic interaction and a lot of thespians don't necessarily call that energy work and they don't necessarily call it magic, but they still know the fundamental mechanics by which it works because it's part of their craft. It's the core of their craft. And by extension, um, especially with like tabletop gaming and live action role playing, that is another type of theater. It's a little more spontaneous. And I would argue because of that spontaneity, Uh, that improv that is essential to that type of game, it needs more magic to hold it together. Wow. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sitting here with this ginormous grin on my face, listening to you speak about this. And it's the theater nerd in me because I was, you know, in so many plays growing up and so many things. And I've done so much tabletop gaming and just sitting here listening to this are so you've connected dots in my brain that I knew were there all along, but now it's like, wow, okay. This was ritual, not just a play, not just a, a game, not, and, you know, putting all these things together, just incredible, just incredible. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to tack on to that and say, I, well, I was telling in, in, in chat that today I just for the first time got my very first wand because I'm someone who only came, mm, I'd say openly to magic, just like coming out of the closet. I only really um, started embracing it in myself openly in the last two years. And along the journey, it's it's been, I'd say, a rather quick one where at first I didn't think that there was... M- merit to tarot cards from a distance and then i really quickly found a massive respect for it in a way that now i can't disprove (laughs) i'm like okay well you know i went from (laughs) non-believer to the far extreme on the spectrum 
And similarly, I, till even a month or so ago, just did not feel like a wand was something I needed or wanted. It just felt superfluous or something like that to me, especially as someone who's always encouraging people that you don't need tools that you can just go out there and just say words. And that is the, the, mm -hmm. the magic. Um, realizing that when you're you're on your self-discovery journey and you're kind of leveling up in whatever way that is to you, it just clicked to me that I found this wand created by an artist who I already love their tarot work. So it was one of those magical moments for me. I wasn't looking for the item and it did find me. So I'm getting a whole new respect out of tonight's conversation for the power of ritual, being able, like you were saying, to put that garb, to take it on and off and to have those effects amplified when you're choosing to wear it and stepping into that role or even choosing to, to step down from that power and de-emphasize it when you want to get back to other aspects of your life that need, you know, maybe less energy work. That is, like Pagan was saying, dots that were surely there just floating around, but you've given them whole new context for me. Well, and one of the important things is the choosing to. I, I, I like you, um, came into all of this with great derision for the, the, the tools and the pageantry of ritual because I came from a Catholic background. And what I got to see throughout my childhood was a ritual that could have been beautiful, that had become so rote and so habitual that it was empty of any meaning. People simply did it because that's what they were supposed to do. And, and I think one of the reasons I despised it so thoroughly was it felt like there should have been more. And yet there were just people who would mouth these prayers to the point where it became nonsense words. None of it had meaning. They were doing it again out of obligation. And that repetition just eroded any power that it had. In my own learning process, first I exploded like any sense of like, I don't need tools, I don't need symbols, I don't need any of this, I am the source of my power and, you know, here's, you know, it is my will be done. And definitely that is one way of doing things. There's a lot of power to that. And I think that there is a necessary learning stage of let go of all the tools and let go of all of the, the things that you have that you think you should be working with and just get to know how you work and then slowly reinvestigate. But why does somebody maybe have a ritual dress? Is there significance to that? Why would somebody have a wand? Silly thing um, or, or fun thing. I really was very derisive of wands right up until the Harry Dresden books. So Jim Butcher has this character who I, really relate to probably more than I should because he's this big, loud, sarcastic, bitter, uh, fairly damaged, and a very like fiery sort of person. He's got a lot of raw power, and he uses basically a wand. He calls it a blasting rod. And his description of why, because it takes all of that like kind of chaotic, sometimes often untamed power, and gives him a way of focusing it. It's the tool to harness that. So instead of being a sledgehammer, he can be a scalpel when he's using that tool. And for me, that was like, oh, oh, okay. Now I can relate to like why I might want to use a wand. So, so going through first deconstructing, second, getting to know like how you function, and then taking some time to like really assess all right, so people use music. What does that do? People use crystals. What does that do? Does that speak to me? How would I use that 
intentionally, like how do I, if I am choosing to use this as part of my ritual, part of my magic, then it takes on a very different meaning than just having somebody hand it to you, say, this should be important. You must use it like this because you don't, but why? Like, like if you are just doing it out of habit or obligation, it doesn't have the same power. That's really what I feel. Mm-hmm. I'm so, th- thank you for sharing that. And yeah, when Mara Starling uh, just came by the other day, she showed us a gorgeous wand that she um, curated out in the wild and had these wonderful bindings to it. And it it was just, you could see in her story behind why it came to her and, you know, she found it that way. Just so powerful. I, <laughs> there's the magician card Michelle's holding up. I, I, it to me, similar. Like, it, it, I think a lot of these tools, what, if they come to you in the time that you're ready, and, and that means you learning, you opening and having new experiences to things, taking in other people's insights, having it come to you that way is going to be a lot more beneficial, I, I see, than going out there and buying the, uh, like the witchy starter kit or something, you know, you yeah. buy yourself a prepackaged everything, but you, you won't maybe feel those same core reasons and ties. And we have a great question in chat from Stacy saying um, for us, non-theater folks who grew up in slightly restrictive families where play and creativity weren't always championed. Does M- Michelle have any questions for, or I'm sorry, any suggestions for breaking out of your shell and becoming more comfortable in theater and magic practice? Oh, I mean, my first suggestion is to just give yourself permission to like something that is artistic, even if you're bad at it. Uh, Give yourself permission to lose yourself in how some music sounds or, you know, consume this as it's produced by somebody else. Like, watch some theater, watch someone do a one-man show that maybe has some appeal to you. But I think more than that is confront the shame and the restriction that was put on you. You've been told no. You've been told that this is worthless. You've been told that this is something that you shouldn't do. You've been told that this is something that, you know, only un... uh, you will never be a good business person and a good little worker be if you indulge these silly little flights of fantasy. But I think it was Ray Bradbury where I first encountered the quote, we have our art, so we do not die of truth. Mm -hmm. Life isn't only work and life isn't only practicality. And there's trauma for any of us who were raised with a, you can't do that Uh, attitude, no matter what that was. And so first you have to confront that legacy. And in the course of confronting that, the next step is find a way to love the things that are important to you. Give yourself permission to do that. Even if it does fall in the, you shouldn't be doing that because of whatever. Determine what you actually want and what actually speaks to you. And to hell with any of the obligations or expectations or restrictions that other people have forced upon us. That's where I personally am really landing. And I think, Pagan, um, from a lot of the conversations you and I have had since the start of Chaos and Shadow, mm-hmm. we have been trying to uh, just express our general 
disgruntledness with with all a lot of what you've recently said, Michelle, back to the idea of um, Catholic mass being something that's gorgeous and it's just so diluted now that, you know, the magic isn't there. We talk about it in society, how we go through the the stages of sending our thoughts and prayers, but no follow through with any of it. And uh, mm-hmm. this community being one where we are the rebels and the outcasts. That's why we adopted the um, the LGBT plus sign on the logo of Chaos and Shadow, because it was like, if you're not going to like us from a distance, great. You're not going to like us anyway. So just take it as it is. <laughs> but we, we're starting to try and fly that flag of, of, of you got to do something. And I think when it comes to us and our magical craft, I think all these negative things in the world should if anything, give our group a lot of, um, I don't know if permission's the word. I think so. You already have the permission, but let this be the encouragement. I'm using this as encouragement, seeing what groups are out there telling us you're going to hell, you know, a lot of us for being LGBT, we're going to hell. But what are those groups doing to save the world? You know, what are, what are they doing to bring things together? Um, talking about kind of the doomsday churches for a second. I heard that they were on the borders uh, of, of Ukraine telling uh, people crossing that if they're uh, not, you know, oh. bowing down to Jesus, they're going to hell. And it's like, that to me is the epitome of all evil right there. I'm happy to confront oh. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't even get me started. The, the nice Christian charities that will absolutely help people in need, as long as you will also come to Jesus with them. That's yeah. that's not a charity in that you're not doing any kind of kind work. You are basically trading one thing for another. You are trying to put kindness coins into a vending machine and hope that you get a fanatical Christian out. F that. Yeah. <laughs> F that. Yes. With a porcupine. So and I love that we we've had this wonderful conversation talking about all this tonight because you know thinking to my own magic, I'm like. I, I now am kind of looking at it and going, I feel like I need to throw some theater back into my own magic. So thank you for kind of putting these nuggets of wisdom into all of our brains and just kind of, you know, being that voice of play that we all needed, especially in these really dark times where all we see around us is icky and bad mm-hmm. and wrong and where it's, you know, you, you have to wake up and then check the news and go, oh, God, what burned down tonight? What did I miss? What happened? And then you wake up and you're like, well, OK, the, the president of Ukraine is still alive. That's great. Um, the war is still yes, happening. Please. That sucks. <laughs> it, it just continues to be a massive, terrible suck fest. But finding these moments where we get to play and these moments where we get to rejoice and just that glimmer and even dance a little bit in hope, I think is absolutely what we need. So Michelle, thank you so much for bestowing that upon all of us in such a wonderful time where we needed it. To to sing the praises of role-playing as magic and also as self-discovery, another thing that I really enjoy that, that actually I assign to uh, a lot of my own students in, in role-playing when you're playing a role-playing game, one of the things that you do is you sit down and you create a character. And most people, uh, when they first start role-playing, that character is often just a kind of gamified fantasy version of themselves. And while that sort of Mary Sue aspect might seem trite, there is a really powerful exercise in allowing yourself to create your ideal self. Like, who are you? 
really. Well, if, if you had the ability to be a magic user or whatever you wanted in a fantasy world, within the bounds of this fantasy world, what, what shape would you take? Who would you be? Uh, what, how would you express your personality and the different parts of yourself? And, and how does that, going through that exercise and like putting that down on paper can be incredibly re- revelatory. Uh, and of course, more seasoned gamers realize that every single character you create, every writer knows this too, all of them have some shard of you. There, there's some little piece of you that you've spun out at some point. And maybe it was a part that you rejected or a part that you have suppressed or a part that you have dealt with and have decided that like, nope, I'm never really going to let that person out and play unless I'm in a gaming situation. But knowing those different facets of your personality and being able to inhabit them for a little while, sometimes being able to give them that vicarious uh, world that has training wheels and letting them be out as kind of a thought problem of like, if I gave into this side of my personality, who would I be? That tells you so much about who you are, what you believe, what you're capable of. And that knowledge then feeds into your mastery of yourself for any kind of magical working that you do, any kind of psychic development that you do. Because you, you are like, there's so much in here for every one of us the more that we're familiar with all those different aspects. Uh, and because my own group, House Kepru, has a really big thing with uh, past life stuff, one of the fun things that uh, folks that are new, newer to the group going through like their awakening and past life recall, the first thing I, I ask them to do when they're like, I, I, maybe I've always been like this, maybe I had, had stuff come through. I'm like, go back if you still have records of every little story you told yourself things that you drew, if you were a gamer, any character that you made. And look at that with fresh eyes and see what parts of you came out. Because you've been you've been looking at yourself through these things all along. Past lives can come out, repressed parts of your personality come out, your, your ideal self can be right there staring at you through the mirror of creation. <laughs> My brain's blown over here. Yeah, we've got even people emoting in chat with a little like blown brain emojis. And I, I'm sitting here and I'm just like, Oh my God. Okay. All right. So, and the, the funny thing is usually when we do interviews with anybody, I do not sit here and take notes. Like I'm in a class. <laughs> I have a full page of notes in this middle of this conversation because there's so much amazing knowledge that I'm like, I'm going to forget all this tomorrow because that's how my brain works. And I do not want to forget this tomorrow. I have to write this down right now. (laughs) It's really a lot of eye opening stuff for me, because again, back to the idea that these are, these are concepts we've had before, but needed someone like Michelle who has such an experience with it to link it all together. Because these are, I mean, these, these, I, I don't feel I feel no regret that I haven't utilized this all together before because I think everything comes in due time. But I'm so excited now uh, and looking back, like you were just saying, looking back at previous um, seances that we've done together, but also looking back at other characters I've made in the past, uh, just just here in the moment, thinking, wow, how different those might be in the future as we talk about these things of, you know, one one laser versus many different ones and talking about stepping into roles. I peg into the idea of notes. I certainly have a few that we'll share out for this weekend too because um, things from setting the mood from lights to music to dress and attire. 
I'd love to certainly uh, use some of these this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. I, I towards, I mean, we got a little bit of time left. There's some questions in chat I want to throw at you, Michelle, that are all related to this. So I don't want to go too far off. But one of the things uh, that I, I want to be thinking about for the next couple minutes is if we're going to bring all these ideas together this weekend in that way, which I think is super doable for our audience. I will be curious what we might want to reach out to, if anything in particular, or if we want to go maybe the route of letting it be a more traditional seance. We usually always go with intention to try and speak with one thing or another, but um, leaning towards the almost Hollywood style, what people think of through art and media, what a seance is of sitting down and just letting the spirits come. I'd be curious uh, if that almost falls better in line to rely on the more typical archetype. So uh, let me first before dive, if you have a thought on that, you can dive into that, but I have some questions, so whatever you prefer. I'm, I'm just chewing on it. Keep asking. Sure. Okay. Let's go yeah. with some of these because uh, this one might lead to it anyway. Queen of Crows is asking a lot of my role play is in my head, not in the physical space during my rituals. Any thoughts from Michelle on how I could merge those two? Well, also, do you have to is, is the other thing. Like if you are comfortable inhabiting it in your head and having it play out there, as long as you're conscious of it, do, do you have to express it? Sometimes, so uh, there is a different level of pageantry that is necessary if you are doing solitary ritual versus group ritual. Solitary ritual, the only things that you are beholden to do are the things that appeal to you. So if for you, your idea of ritual that focuses you, that lets you like really dig into your magic is just standing in a room and having it all play out in your mind palace and in this interior psychodrama, if that works for you, keep doing it. The more people you add to any kind of working, the more you need to be able to engage everyone. And that does mean that we need to speak some of the things that are going on internally. We need to somehow show them, embody them, appeal to the various senses of everyone engaged. Uh, this is where incense is helpful, where music is helpful, where you know different costumes and dress or uh, different ways that we might paint our faces or change our appearance is useful, where glossolalia and xenoglossia, like chanting, uh, singing, finding ways to vocalize and intone. Uh, all of that helps to pull people in, but is also building the space. So if your goal then is, how do I bring this out? Uh, first think, which sense appeals to you most? Like when you're doing this in your mind, do you? how do you picture yourself? Or how do you hear yourself? What actions do you imagine yourself doing? And focus on that. Build something from that. Uh, and I will say, because I, I was I was there um, at this point, what, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. God, I'm, I'm old. <laughs> sorry. Uh, there's this point where you're really nervous about it, even if you're by yourself. Like, you're like, I feel silly. People are going to stare at me. If, what if somebody walks in? Like, it almost... It almost has the same sort of like weird guilty shame of like, oh God, they're going to walk in and catch me masturbating. But what I'm doing is like, I'm here in front of my altar doing magic and I look really funny because I got stuff on my face. Um, if you can't get over that level of sort of anxiety with it, then it's not serving you. Um, if you still feel really awkward and uncomfortable, then then set it aside and maybe circle back to it later. Uh, if you do get to a point where you are more comfortable and you kind of 
hit a little bit more of a do not give a fuck about what other people think. But that's a process. And not all of us are going to be immediately there of I can totally just like, you know, just get my whole ritual on and not care. Um, so be kind to yourself in that process as well. And, and recognize that you're not always going to want to go full ritual drag. And maybe thinking about it as ritual drag could be helpful for some people. Uh, and the, the empty-handed technique of just doing it with will and intention is also valid, is also powerful. Some of it's a matter of assessing what's the best time, what's the best tool, what helps you the most. And bottom line is, if what you're doing is in some way distracting you or making you uncomfortable, stop doing it. That's so relevant. I mean, I, I just the other day had the experience um, as we're kind of coming out of the winter and into the spring, I've certainly felt disconnected from my magic and my craft there. Uh, just taking the time to light a couple candles the other day really shifted the atmosphere for me. And it's one of those things that feels so simple that you almost forget about it. Like all through Christmas season, I had candles burning and then just, you know, right after the holidays, I let that go. And that simple act of, of, of lighting a flame, having something, some energy visually there, other than our, our LED lights in your face, it's, it's really wild how that simple ambience change can do so much for us. So I, I, I love that advice. I love this concept that you really can change and, and bring out different levels of power and focus in yourself all by acquiring some simple tools. I'm going to call a candle a tool, everybody. I mean, that's, that's mm -hmm. what oh, no, it, totally is. Yeah, it is. This, I think conversation tonight has really empowered folks out there. I've seen a lot of uh, mentions there uh, of folks saying delightful knowledge shared and uh, what's her name saying we should dress up for Saturday seance. I've got my gown ready. <laughs> Please do Jenny. It would be great. I think um, I, it makes me want to change up some of the set. It's a little bit hard with lights and camera. We got to have a certain light level, but it's also one of the first things I tell people is, is it's, it does make a challenge to the craft when you're on camera for the sheer fact of, of lighting in your face. Um, if that's something you need that light level, if that's, if that ambience is something for you. So I'm going to work at that. I'm going to try and balance that because I want to be delivering to folks out there a little bit more of the feeling that I have in my own mind. Like you were saying, Michelle, the, the ideas that just, I'm naturally channeling. So I have homework tonight. I can tell you that much. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, Pagan, anything you're really excited for for this weekend? I am excited to come forward and see kind of what we end up doing. But ultimately, I'm excited because of the fact that I feel like there is a new direction in the air, if that makes sense. Like we, we've kind of been given, you know, uh, to kind of go back to like the, the role-playing kind of topic very quickly. I feel like we've been given this mysterious map to a beautiful world that we have yet to explore in our own way. And so I'm really excited to see where that kind of mindset ends up taking all of us. Yeah. Got to harness, harness some of this positive change for the world. That's, that's what my mind goes to these days. So as we're towards the end of the episode, Michelle, we want to give you some time to promote out those um, those works and anything upcoming. I've got a bunch of links for people here in chat for for the games that you've shouted mm -hmm. out. Um, 
we know you're very active over on Twitter. You've got your Instagram account. What all should people be looking for in the world of Michelle? Uh, Twitter is where I am definitely most engaged right now. Uh, and I, I will apologize and give sort of like the warning is there's a lot of like political um, signal boosting on there. So if you are feeling overwhelmed uh, and don't want to doom scroll, just, you know, there are there are some topics that, you know, just. If I'm hitting that particular anvil too hard that day, just, you know, no harm, no foul. I try to intersperse it all liberally with cute cat pictures because they keep me sane. Uh, the big thing that I'm working on that's really relevant to this particular conversation. So, you know, I'm the founder of House Kepru. I wrote the ritual system for House Kepru. I've been a, a ritual writer for decades at this point. And um, when the pandemic hit first, I started to compile all of the rituals that previously, I mean, House Kepru is a technically closed tradition in the sense that it is an initiatory tradition, like you have to take oaths to be part of it. Um, and with everything that was going on when 2020 hit, I, I sort of hit the point of like, but what if this dies with us? So with that sort of like, put it out in the world just in case, uh, Within the next couple of weeks, the Keprian ritual archives will go out into the world and will be a book that you can buy. And it is the collection of our rituals written and performed within House Kepru from 1996 to 2020, um, including things that were previously you only got to see if you were an Oaths member. And it's an archive because it shows the development of these rituals, how certain things started with a more pagan flair, how it started to feel and develop its own very unique flavor and identity, um, the different bits that had been added to, because it's a collaborative system as well. Um, and uh, you get a good feel for my sense of, of ritual as living ritual, which is something that should be, that should allow for spontaneity. Uh, should allow for uh, an ability to change based on the specific collection of people and the time and the place so that no ritual was so scripted that we were only standing there reciting words. Um, in, in our system, the only stuff that the words didn't change much or at all was uh, a charge that we would open ritual with and a prayer that we would close it with to give us that sort of bookend and then the other things that wouldn't change were our vows because you don't want to change. You're like, you don't want to swear to something that's going to like change from like uh, season to season, mm -hmm. uh, but everything else allows for the sort of like free form experience of the moment and all of the people who are part of that moment participating and shaping it in each iteration of whatever ritual we're talking about. So that will be coming out. It's got lovely cover art by Kat. Um, and I don't know how many folks in chat can see that, but it's this is one of the galley copies of us making sure that it looks cool. It's a big chonker. Um, there's a lot. And uh, I cut it off at 2020 because we're, we're still changing and developing stuff, particularly in the post-Zoom ritual age, because <laughs> all of these were written for in-person stuff. I, that is amazing. I so want to get my hands on that. Uh, Michelle, where's that going to be available? Do you know? Did you say already? I'm sorry. Uh, oh, no, it'll be on my website. You'll be able to get it off of Amazon pretty much. It'll, you know, wherever you can get books. Uh, I believe that there will be an electronic copy uh, and physical copy will be soft cover like this one. 
that's freaking awesome. I was showing people uh, some of the great stuff that Illyria sent my way. The, the Watcher Angel Tarot Guidebook, the Tarot Deck, the Psychic Aptitude Cards. If uh, Some people out there already saying they, they want to buy uh, the Kepru book. So maybe you load up on your cart and buy a lot of great things to support. <laughs> <laughs> All the good stuff. <laughs> that's right. Well, and, and part of the reason for sharing it is to give people like, here is a tradition and here are how we made our rituals. And here is maybe stuff that will speak to you or maybe stuff that will inspire you. Uh, you don't have to like pick this up and like suddenly be practicing Caprian ritual more. Uh, I wanted people to be able to see this is how this tradition evolved over, over decades uh, up to it, including the initiatory rights, like first degree, second degree, third degree, that was not something that was public. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so excited for that. And when does that come out? Do you do you have a release date yet or not yet? End of the month, March oh, nice. 31st, ideally. Very nice. We so were like aiming, 10 days. <laughs> yeah, we, we were aiming for the, for the equinox and uh, just everything happened. And I, yeah, there was, there was a little, tiny delay that was totally totally on me i am so excited and i can see people out there just saying the same so i i'm i'm really also excited for just house capri as a whole because that's great to have kind of codified history in that way and and dispersing Mm -hmm. it out there like you're saying that does keep it alive in a whole other sense that's a that's i don't know just some kind of really cool milestone that you're someone who clearly appreciates that as well and i i don't know that's just awesome to see a, a, a really really cool this conversation tonight all around has just brought my spirits up and um i i it kicked my sinus headache in the butt so uh Same. thank you yeah i feel better. Good. <laughs> Group healing. Honestly, raise your energy, everybody, in a you know fun conversation. It does does wonders for the body, truly. So, Michelle, thank you so much for spending this time with us tonight, and for everyone out there listening, whether you're live or in the uh, podcast feed on Wednesday. Mark your calendars because Michelle joins us this Saturday. That is March 26th, 7 p.m. Eastern time. So same time we were live tonight. And that is same place, twitch.tv forward slash Kyle Paranormal. We'll have those links in the podcast description as well as links to the two games Michelle has mentioned tonight. Uh, Specifically, there is the bundle. Oh, Michelle, maybe we touch base because if... Where the sunflowers grow gets thrown into a charity bundle. I don't have that link, but I certainly do have the TTRPGs for trans rights in Texas. uh, The one that raised six hundred plus thousand dollars. So, folks, we'll make sure you get those. But yeah, Michelle, if that's part of a um, a charity bundle at all, the where the sunflowers grow, we'll connect over that and make sure that's out there for folks. To everyone, I I have earmarked to uh, to uh, queer. Two queer charities that work with and out of Ukraine that if I do where sunflowers grow with a bundle, that's that's where it's going to go. So, Oh, nice. I love that. I love that. Uh, Eastern Europe has some challenges with LGBT rights, to put it mildly. So supporting those uh, those charities out of Ukraine would be really phenomenal. That personally means a lot to me. So. Everyone out there, you know what to do. You know what to do. Support all of Michelle's work. Look out for the store. Look out the end of the month to get the Keparu, um, all the codified rituals. That's going to be so exciting. Mm -hmm. But most importantly, everyone, stay super safe out there. Um, It means the world. If you can share this work, share Michelle's work. That's what keeps us all going. So we'll get out of here for tonight. 
Michelle, Pagan, thank you a ton for sitting down with us. This has been so wonderful. I, like I said, just feel super happy and lighthearted this evening. Thank yes, you for your it time. was a wonderful conversation. And I am looking forward to Saturday and it's going to be a good time. Okay, everyone out there, you stay safe. Michelle, Pagan, I'll jump off the call and I'll do wrap up with chat. So you two enjoy your evenings okay. and we'll talk to you later this week. Bye. Sounds good. Okay. Bye. Cool. Ta-ta. Gang, what a great interview. I am always blown away by having Michelle here. Uh, I've just taken to kind of recording these little wrap-ups at the end. Wow. I mean, Michelle literally blew my mind. As always. I mean, literally always. My brain. Do you guys want to see that wand really quickly that I just got? I kind of want to show it off. I I, Just really briefly for everyone here. I'm, I'm proud of this purchase. Oh, I also want to add that none of this cost too, too much either. This is all that uh, Nicholas Bruno author. But I mean, again, this was just such a timely conversation tonight uh, that 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 all of this yeah, about ritual and, and how it works came forward. This is the, uh, does the, the photographer who has created the Somnia Tarot deck. So these items you'll see here uh, are actually ones that you'll see in the cards. They also included, or um, one of the items that I picked up was, you know, in place of anathema or a, a, a sword here, they had a letter opener that, that's in the styling from the book too. So just really great items. And these were like 30-ish a piece. So uh, it really wasn't, you know, bank breaking like $150 sort of stuff. I and mean, I'm sure people spent easily thousands uh, on on some of these pieces. People are asking for a link. Somnia Tarot. Here we go. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff. I also picked up two more uh, two tarot cloths off of there. You got to figure I've never had a wand. I've never had an athame. I've never had uh, tarot cloths formally before. So when this popped up into my my inbox and everything, I was like, wow, that is that is really uh, wonderfully what I want. Like, this is something that I've been using these tarot cards for for months now since October. Oh, I wanted to throw in that I did get the book, too. I really went like all out and got a a big cart load but still my cart only was about 150 at the end and like a lot of stuff this i do believe takes the cake for best tarot companion book i have not seen one that has all high res images from every card in color you may mention recently i got a book that um they're all black and white and i was like this is nice but Color would be more impactful, and then bam, I did find one that this is, you know, again, not that super intentional that I was I was going out of my way to get it. But damn, the fact that it's got all the cards in here, super high res. Really cool author. Uh, photographer might be a better word, but just visual artist. Check out uh, Nicholas Bruno's works for this stuff. But seriously, go support all the amazing stuff Michelle has done. We were going to talk about Nephilim and ESP tonight. And I, we always like set loose conversations for Michelle, but it's better to not follow the, the, the written path, in my opinion. <laughs> Screw that. I really mo- care more about what Michelle has to say about the war and about how to step into your magic practice, if we're being honest. Like, I want Michelle to talk about whatever is relevant to Michelle. That's how we roll here. We can always talk about the Nephilim, don't get me wrong. But let's talk about the Nephilim when the world's easier or something somehow. You know what I mean? And the ESP work, in my opinion, exactly ties into the idea of the laser conversation and the 
just stepping into the magical practice, the ritual part, right? Like all of that is the ESP work. Uh, so check out, Michelle also has a Patreon, everyone out there, if you want to access Michelle's Patreon. Um, I'm holding up a book now on camera. This is Meditations for Psychic Development. This is something we're reading on the side. I'm inspired by Illyria over on Michelle's Patreon. Illyria reads out some of Michelle's books over there. So if you want a great experience in that capacity, you want to listen to Illyria read out uh, Michelle's past works, her books on ghost investigations. Um, I don't know if she's read any on ESP work yet. I mean, it's a whole, there's a lot of them there. So please, please support our friends. Look out for the good stuff. Look out for us doing um, some more of this in chat, though. Like, we're, we're going to do some of these meditation nights. And if people want to make sure that we get into the book reading phase, our Stream Loots program here, it's one of the best ways we get funded here on Twitch. Uh, that has a way for you to trigger the night. So if you buy some stream loot cards and support us, you can actually guide the future of, of what our stream layouts might be. Um, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays are pretty traditional, but you could schedule up some Tuesday, Wednesday, or Tuesday, Thursday, book, book, book read-along streams. Hey, before we go, Katie Webb joining us this Wednesday for our no, Star Ritual. That is exclusively on Gilded, so make sure you join up in our Gilded server for that. We will not be on Twitch. It will not have um, you know any kind of way to get it through Twitch.tv. So make sure you're in the Gilded server for that in advance. There is a quick application thing. It's very basic. We'll add you as soon as you know. Just write that you're there from Chaos and Shadow. Uh, you don't need a microphone. You can join us in text chat, but you'll want to be in the voice chat. So it's in the voice general channel there. And again, that's uh, 7 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday, the 23rd of July. Uh, wow, July? Where'd that come from? 23rd of March. <laughs> Guess we're going to July, everybody. We're skipping months. No, 23rd of uh, March here. And then on Saturday, again, 7 p.m. Eastern time, Michelle's back. So that's all I got for you this evening. Thank you for being amazing. Check out the coffee page. That's where you can support us now. Uh, new websites coming along swimmingly. They're working on some changes. And then the archives are going to be up there, hopefully, by next week. Ooh, also look out in the future. I might have some TikTok streams coming your way. So make sure to subscribe on TikTok, on uh, Instagram. I post a lot. And over on Twitter. Those are all Kyle Paranormal. So goodbye, friends. Have a good night. Be well. Love ya. Stay safe out there.